You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Hosted by Damian Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Go ahead there and let me get here in three, two. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, this is your host, Blake Murphy on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7, joined with my co-host, uh, Damien at DP underscore NFL. He also hosts the Talent Code podcast. And we're here with our season kickoff. Got a special guest joining us. He's the pre and post game host on 98.7 Arizona Sports for your Arizona Cardinals and a local sports legend, covers all sorts of topics. <laughs> Tim Ring, he's here to talk about the cards and the Chiefs. Uh, Tim, how well, are you doing today? We're meeting on Labor Day weekend. You know, the Arizona <laughs> weather is still pretty hot outside. Uh, everyone's been kind of taking it easy, but football season, there's no sleeping on football season, no resting for that. It is in full gear already. No, Blake, you know what? I've been waiting for this week for a long time because it's officially now game week. Cardinals were on the practice field earlier on Labor Day. Everybody's kind of wondering who exactly is on the, the practice field. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit because here we are. The season's not even obviously a game old, and there are all kinds of injury question marks, usually reserved for the middle of the season, but here we are uh, as we embark on the season. The Cardinals have all kinds of injury concerns, including the new cornerback, Trayvon Mullen, who was just acquired from the Raiders. So uh, going to be interesting to see who exactly is on the field uh, in week one against the Chiefs. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk about some of those and as well as getting into we got our three keys to victory. Look at some X factors. Um, yeah. What's kind right. of the perception you've had, at least Tim, coming into uh, this season, because it's been one of the craziest off seasons in Arizona sports, and that includes everyone getting extensions, not losing too many players outside of, you know, Chandler Jones leaving and trade DeAndre Hopkins getting his suspension for the most part. Uh, the mood in the Phoenix Valley, it feels like that there's excitement, but also quite a bit of trepidation as far as coming into week one. Yeah. And those injuries, like you said, definitely play a part, I think. You know, first of all, Blake, I, I think obviously there's always excitement when you uh, open up an NFL season. I think fans inherently are always going to be going to be thrilled about the new season starting and always hopeful uh, that their team is going to end up in the, in the postseason. And obviously uh, for the Cardinals, the 2022 season uh, is no different. As for the offseason, uh, I got to be honest. I mean, I'm glad they got Kyler done uh, and that drama is behind them. I would have liked to have seen it maybe uh, even either happen either earlier or if it did happen, when it happened, maybe not affect Kyler so much in terms of him not being around. Because I was really hoping Kyler, after the whole COVID pandemic deal, would have a full legitimate offseason to kind of help him grow with this offense and the new pieces that, that are, are part of it. But that, that didn't happen. Uh, I would have liked to have seen the Cardinals be a little more aggressive uh, in free agency. Clearly, they you, know, you lose Chandler Jones. and I, I don't think the Cardinals went out and I know they re-signed Ertz and they got Connor in the fold, and that's good. Uh, but I don't think they were hyper-aggressive in terms of reeling in some, some front-line, top-of-the-line talent uh, from the outside that could make them a better football team uh, in 2022. So they were kind of dragging their feet on there on that. And maybe, guys, that was because they were they were they were kind of held hostage by the by the Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray negotiation. And then, of course, like you mentioned it, the Hopkins. Uh, suspension. So now that all that is said and done, it's time to play some football. And for me, you know, we talked about this on the radio uh, on Monday. The For me, the biggest thing, guys, and I'm sure you agree, is which Cardinal team is going to roll out as we begin the season, the team that started 10 and two last mm. year or something that looks kind of like it or the team that finished the season last year in December in the playoffs, a team that, you know, we can look back now and say was was it was a bad foot even though they were a playoff team the team that played in december and january was a bad football team i'm just ready to have football right like you know all the off-season drama and all that stuff that keeps us going and keeps us talking when there's no football i'm glad that's over we have football the pads will be popping everything will be live you know, God bless preseason, but we we love the, with the games that matter, right? So it, it's to me, I'm excited just to see how Cliff and this team comes out. Like like 
like Tim talked about, you know, which team is going to show up? Is it going to be a team that collapsed at the end of the season with the third straight yep. season? Or is this going to be a team that comes out and say, you know what? We're going to put all the noise behind us, and we're going to make a statement similar to what they did last season, right? They came into that Tennessee Titans game where a lot of people were expecting their team yep. to run for 200-plus yards on them. And they came out and straight thwarted them. Like, just dominated the game from opening kickoff to the clock hit zero in the fourth quarter. And they came out and kind of set a statement, set a presence and a tone for the season. And that's what I'm interested to see the most uh, coming this Sunday is what kind of tone will be set? What kind of vibe will we feel from Cliff Kingsbury? Do they want to set the narrative and put everything behind them? Because we all know the old saying, nothing helps put away problems besides winning. Winning cures all, right? No matter if you have issues in the locker room, people want their money. When the team's 10-0, nobody's talking about any of that. So if they can get into a winning start, it'll be good to kind of silence the dollars just a little bit. Yeah. No, I agree there. And in order to get started and make that statement, they've got a very tough opponent. Credit maybe the NFL for seeing the Cardinals getting to this stage. But the Kansas City Chiefs have been a team that – has been a powerhouse in the NFL ever since they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Bruce Arians, I know, went on the news this week, talked a bit about uh, how the Cardinals were looking at Mahomes. Previously, Arizona had tried to get Andy Reid as their head coach, so it's almost kind of this, you know, alternate history. And on the Cardinals' side, you've got Mahomes' former college uh, head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, this is kind of the Cliff Bowl, as I think I've called it, just because you've got so many of those connections to this guy at Texas Tech. But the biggest difference, of course, is that the pedigree of the Chiefs has been a much higher team um, the last few years, they've made four straight AFC championship games. And as far as for when you talk about setting the tone, boy, do the Chiefs in their week one games go out and set the tone. They score about an average of 36 points a game in their week ones overall. That's a crazy stat. Uh, their opponents, on average, score about 25. So you're talking about 11 points, blowout victories across the board. Now, last year, things were a bit different. Last year, they had to have two late touchdowns, needing a couple of Browns turnovers in order to get that 33-29 victory. Uh, they were on the road for that game as well, I believe. This year, the Cardinals, can they come in and be able to match them? Obviously, Arizona has been wanting to, you know, get some of their playmakers on the defensive side uh, locked in for long term. And uh, like you talked about, making some trades. Uh, Cardinals do go and extend Jalen Thompson, one of the bright young safeties in the NFL this week, and make a trade for uh someone who's very familiar with the Chiefs, Raiders defensive back Trayvon Mullen. Uh, I think he's a good player who's definitely fits that outside corner mold. Give up a small pick for him. Uh, it's one of those avenues where you can at least see how the Chiefs in the years past have always been this Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey team. Now that's gone. Tyreek Hill's in Miami. What's the kind of Chiefs team? that we're going to get is just as much, I think, a mystery to people as I think the Cardinals and what they may look like without DeAndre Hopkins. Well, Blake, yeah, I mean, Tyree Kill's gone, right? So that's a huge dimension taken from Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes' arsenal. I mean, let's let's make no mistake about it. They're, they're not going to be as dangerous without him, but they'll be dangerous in different ways. Juju uh, Smith-Schuster is, is one hell of a wide receiver. And then you get Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore to, to throw into your uh, your offensive repertoire. And those guys will all be making their uh, Chiefs debut uh, against the Cardinals on Sunday. Because they are all making their Chiefs debut, that may play into the Cardinals' favor only because you're getting these guys in their first game with Patrick Mahomes. And they may not be the fine-tuned machine that they'll be uh, by season's end. Having said that, listen, you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field. You are going to be in for a long afternoon as a defense. And to me, that's the biggest concern right now for the Cardinals going into the season. And this is the concern whether you were playing Patrick Mahomes or any other quarterback in the National Football League. I'm not so worried about the Cardinals' offense. They may have to essentially outscore the Chiefs on Sunday, Blake and Dame, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, a win's a win no matter how you get it. But the Cardinal defense right now, already so thin in that cornerback room before Antonio Hamilton burns himself in his home kitchen. Now he's out, not only out for the game, but out for the month. So you got to go basically less than two weeks before the season. You trade 
a seventh round pick for Trayvon Mullen, who was a second round pick out of Clemson. So he's got some pedigree. He's got some ability, but he was clearly a guy the Raiders didn't feel they needed this season, right? We could just, that, that's a fact. The, for the Raiders to, to unload him for a seventh round pick, they were clearly prepared to play this season without him. And then Javelin Guidry, a guy that was released by the Jets. So now you have two cornerbacks that you're basically picked up off of another team's scrap heap that are not here to provide depth guys because of the Cardinals situation. They're here to play. I mean, those, those dudes got to play on Sunday. And if you, if you want to beat the chiefs, they got to, they have to play and they have to play well. And I'll, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys with this. They've got to, they've got to be up to speed on Vance Joseph's defense. Um, they've got to, they've yep. got to blend in with, with Jalen and Buddha and, and understand what's going on with what the Cardinals are trying to do because they're being thrown out there. I mean, you talk about being thrown into the fire and it's not only week one, week two, you got Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels and week three, you got Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup. So, I mean, these guys got to be ready to go like now. And now Trayvon Mullen today on Monday says, I, I think I'm going to be ready to play. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a little worried about the back end of that Cardinal defense, fellas. I think it's all good stuff, at least. And I think that every Cardinals fan, for the most part, should show some worry, especially when you're talking about a team that decided to rely on the second year of J.J. Watt, that has had Marcus Golden uh, with the toe injury. Now, obviously, there may be some elements of Golden. He's expressed he'd like a new contract, a new deal. Cardinals do have some cap space if they wanted to reward him. Um, we're all looking, however, at a very veteran, 30-something-led team, and these are the kind of guys who you're relying on in Zach Ertz, Marcus Golden. Uh, we'll see if J.J. Watt would be more of a veteran's day off, but this is also that guy who missed half the season last year and has never been known for his durability. Uh, Dame, on the Chiefs side, the Chiefs have also, I think, invested in the opposite of how we'll talk about Arizona and investing in their offense. But the Chiefs went out and have two first-round picks, and then also, as Tim mentioned, Sky Moore being added to their team. Some of these players were guys that the Cardinals, you know, may have been looking at in the NFL draft uh, with the likes of... Uh, Trent McDuffie, the cornerback, who's a rookie, he's probably going to start. George Karloftis is likely going to start. Uh, Sky Moore, perhaps you see more of a Rondale Moore type of role for him, at least. He's looked very well in camp, similar to Rondale a year ago. Just from some of a draft perspective, how much do you think that we can expect where the Cardinals can, you know, make plays on this Chiefs defense that with some of these younger players and new looks, maybe is it just as suspect as Arizona's or will that talent shine through? Um, <clears throat> I mean, looking at what they brought in, you know, George Karlaftis, Leo Chanel at linebacker, Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, those guys are, to me, are going to play pivotal roles for this Chiefs defense. And the one thing that the Chiefs wanted to make sure that they did a better job of is getting tougher, being more physical. Leo Chanel is a rocked-up physical animal at the linebacker position. He will punch you in the mouth. He comes downhill with a reckless physical abandon he that's how he plays he plays on the edge he plays some off ball linebacker Trent McDuffie's a scrappy run defending corner that plays sticky in coverage Joshua Williams is more of the taller longer athlete at corner so he's also trying to pick up being an NFL corner and I saw him down at the senior bowl uh he's got all the tools but it's all about him putting it all together with his package man but George Carlathis is going to be I think out of all of them, he's going to be the, the guy to watch because in this preseason, he was really effective getting to the quarterback. The motor, the things that everything that everybody lauds and and leans on for Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit, that's the same guy that the Chiefs drafted in George Kalathis. They just got him at the back of the first round. This is the exact same player. High motor, energetic, strong, like explosive off the edge, can bend, good handwork. He has all those same qualities. So he's going to be very, very important. And, and of course, that means he's going to see some one-on-ones. Because mm -hmm. they got a guy in the middle. We we all talk about Aaron. We know how great Aaron Donald is and Fletcher Cox. And, but Chris Jones in the middle of that Chiefs defensive line is a monster. He creates a lot of different issues for protections. And we're trying to defend him, possibly double team, that means our tackles are going to have to 
win one-on-one battles with Carl Aptis and um, and even Frank Clark. So the rookies are going to play a big role. Sky Moore, I think he coming out as a prospect, he was more well-rounded as a rock runner than Rondell. Rondell dealt with a lot of injuries, so he never got the chance to truly develop as a receiver for Purdue and Purdue when they had him. They just said, listen, you're the best player we have on offense. We're going to give you the ball anyway, anyhow, any means. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with Scott yep. Moore, he ran a lot more routes uh, and knew how to get open a little bit better. So I think he comes in a little bit more polished. But the main thing about it is Andy Reid's offense is very complex. And it's going. It's not easy for a rookie to pick that up and hit the ground running. So like Tim talked about, with, the, with them having so many young players and, and relying on so many new options for week one, that could play into the Cardinals' favor. That's all good stuff, at least. So uh, let's go and talk about our three keys to victory for the Cardinals this season. I think one of the avenues we saw last year is that you, uh, number one, don't let Travis Kelsey take you to town. I think that's got to be, I think, one of the first (laughs) keys. Because when you see the playmakers of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that was essentially your offense if you were the Chiefs. Now you've got Tyreek Hill gone bring in Juju as a veteran. You bring in, obviously, Marquise Valdez-Scantling as a deep threat. Uh, so I think the Cardinals, the big player I think you want to look at when you talk about this with X-Factors would be Isaiah Simmons in that role and flexibility. Obviously, your safeties are going to play a role, but Simmons has that size and speed. Defense had struggles. That was probably the first time that we'd really seen it in the NFL because teams eventually said, you know what, we're going to do what Todd Bowles did in that Super Bowl with the Bucks. We'll play our safeties deep, take away that deep passing attack that Mahomes has used. And we're going to rough up Travis Kelsey at the line, make it where he's not easily getting into his breaks and his routes. And they didn't really blitz Mahomes all that much. They would drop guys back in coverage, make him kind of run around a little bit and try to make those throws. It's it's kind of similar to how a lot of teams attack the Arizona Cardinals defensively down the stretch. And that's kind of this air raid type of scheme. So what did we see the Chiefs do? They adjusted and ran the ball really well. I think if you can take away Travis Kelsey and make the Chiefs one-dimensional, that I think is key number one for the Cards. But it's it's a tough it's a tough sell to be able to stop one of the best yeah. tight end, a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, Blake. Easier said than done. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if if not shut him down, at least contain him. I mean, at least not let him, as you say, slaughter you. I mean, I think this is where it, you you have the emerging Jalen Thompson as one of the better cover safeties uh, in the league. This is where, this is why you pay him that money. Um, I'll give you my first key. And I've been harping on this for a long time. Um, I, I, I firmly believe that for the Cardinals to be an effective team, Kyler Murray has to run the football. Um, mm. And I'm not talking about scrambling off of broken plays, which is fine. He can and should do that. Uh, I'm talking about design runs. Uh, the numbers are there. When when Kyler Murray has five or fewer rushing attempts in a game, uh, the Cardinals are 0-10 and one. I mean, do the math. It's right. It's right there. When, when they don't <laughs> yeah. when they don't utilize Kyler Murray as a running weapon, they don't win. They don't win. Um, for me, I, I just listen. There's no doubt he can throw out of the pocket. I, I mean, th- this is not a a running quarterback. Uh, who can also throw. No, he's one of the best uh, pocket passers uh, in the league. He's that good. But what makes the Cardinals elite and exceptional and tough to beat is when Kyler Murray is utilizing his legs, moving the chains, extending drives, keeping the defense on its toes. When that that package comes together, uh, the Cardinals are tough. They control the clock, and they win football games. And some of it, some of it might be the injury um, that he suffered. You know, the high ankle sprain midway through the season, which knocked him out for three games. And let's be honest, the elephant in the room was Kyler Murray reluctant to run until he got the big deal. Now that he's hmm. got the big con, right? Now that he's got the big contract, is he okay tucking it and going and picking up those? Those 10, 12, 14 yard, I, I call them yard gobblers, right? He just moves, the stick, <laughs> you know, eats up yards, right? Yeah. Like, and they're just, they're, it's so effective. And, and that's what makes the Cardinals a winning football team. I want to see that return to the Arsenal Dame 
on Sunday against the Chiefs. I like that. I like that. I like the way that you put that yard gobblers. And the yard gobbler. I like that. You bring up a good point that, hey, because he did step back. He did take a step back as a running quarterback last year, and it may have been a little bit of chestnut checkers making sure, hey, let me get my money before I start yes. putting my body back on the line. So I yes. like that point a lot. Yes. I like that point a lot, Tim. For me, uh, one of the keys that I thought about was be balanced on offense and control a lot of scrimmage, right? But I just talked about Chris Jones being in the middle of that Chiefs defense and how much havoc he can create for a pass rush. The one thing that any offensive lineman or offensive line coach will tell you, offensive linemen are much better when they get to attack than retreat. And I think being mm-hmm. balanced and running the ball, getting downfield, the Chiefs have never been a physical defense in terms of stopping the run. That's why they brought in the Leo Chanel and, 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 and went and got George Carlathis to help those things, right? But those are two rookies. Let's make them earn it. You got a 240-pound, 245-pound running back in James Conner. Let's get him downhill. You brought in Cody Ford, who's a powerful uh, interior offensive lineman. You got Rodney Hudson back at center, who's a physical, big body, thick, dense frame at, at the center position. And, of course, Will Hernandez's biggest trait is being physical vertically in the, in the run game. Let's get these guys going vertical early. Let's really put the pressure. I, I always use basketball to football analogies and the reason why, because they always yep. parallel, always matches. Whenever you whenever you play in the paint, you think about playing Shaq in his days, you could have had someone that could shoot threes at the center position, but if Shaq's posting them up 30 times a game, their legs start to get a little wobbly because they're tired <laughs> of holding up that weight. So when you think about from a running perspective, if you don't have Kyler drop back yep. 40 times and you run the ball 25 to 30, those pass rushes in the middle and on the edge, their legs are a little tired because they're tired of those 300-plus pound offensive linemen leaning on them earlier in the, early on in the game. So be be balanced and control the line of scrimmage. Make sure Rodney Hudson is, is on his P's and Q's because with Chris, with Chris Jones and the way that he softens edges and knows how to get into the backfield – and stress Will Hernandez, make sure that Rodney Hudson is his bumper and helping him out. Hey, I'm going to close the inside gap. He can't come in. You can overset things of that nature. That's going to keep Kyler comfortable. Now we make those young DBs cover. You got to cover Hollywood Brown. You have to cover Rondell Moore and A.J. Green. And, of course, Trey McBride and all those the different weapons this offense has. Let's make them cover both aspects of the offense and control the line of scrimmage. And real quick, you know, let me add to that, Blake, um, in terms of being physical and, and, and running the football, whether it's Kyler or uh, Connor or even Darrell Williams, the former chief, who you no doubt will be will be fired up to play this game on Sunday. As, as potent as the Cardinal offense can be, this is the one game and the one team you probably don't want to get into a shootout with. I don't mm. think you want to play one of these games where the team that has the ball last wins. Uh, especially with the Cardinals' problems right now at cornerback. If you can get a, a two-score lead, that's the time to to, to, to use that, that physicality and grind out some drives on the ground using Connor, using Williams, using Kyler's legs. That way you can shorten the game, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, hang on to that maybe that two-score lead, and try to get yourself out of there with a W. To me, that's the pathway to victory. For the Cardinals, it's not to go back up and up and down the field with Mahomes. I mean, that's that's not the recipe. That's not the recipe for a W. It's right. to get a lead. It's to get a lead and then use Connor Williams and Kyler's legs to shorten the game and grind the clock and keep Mahomes on the bench. To me, that's the pathway to a win. Yeah, I think we're all sharing. I think a very similar thing because this kind of fits with what my second point was going to be, which is about running the ball and how I think Cliff needs to step up and be able to innovate more in the run game. What we've seen from the Cardinals has been a lot of the 10 personnel spreading teams out, and they've had a very effective run game overall. We've seen with Chase Edmonds and James Conner, even the one year with Kenyon Drake. And what you say, Tim, is when you have Kyler Murray and his legs as a weapon, you suddenly teams now have to account for another, almost like another running back on the field. Now, Kyler can't carry your run game that's the thing he's the quarterback he's your franchise you can't just give the guy you know nine ten carries or so now lamar jackson he showed at least last year 
that even if you give him that carries, he will get banged up, he'll miss time. That's why I think you need to be able to have the right amount. And I think the way that we've seen the Cardinals are trying to address that is by being more physical up front. They drafted a tight end. They brought in a Will Hernandez. I think that's one of the keys that we're hoping that the Cardinals are able to use more two tight end sets. I'd love to see them be able to have some under center looks where Kyler's able to, you know, use a bootleg or two, be able to kind of throw the defense, just given more ways you can attack. Yeah. Just what pick your is, spots, Blake. Yeah. Just pick, pick, your, pick your, spots. your spots with that. Yep. Exactly. But being that's, able to have good, an effective running yeah, effect. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, at least, too, is that keeps Kyler upright. That also will have plays where, you know, you can say, does his height get into being a factor, is what some people have said. You know, taking some of those different hits. Having a strong run game will keep your quarterback upright. And I think that we need to see Cliff do a bit more. Because last year, as soon as DeAndre Hopkins went down, they ran the same offense. They didn't really change as much. They got the ball to Zach Ertz, featured the tight end a bit more. But I think it's really going to be that same innovation the Chiefs did of those two tight end sets. And even though he just got that deal, I think it's a big year for Cliff because the Cardinals are going to be on hard knocks the second half of the season. And we know the stat. Every year, second half of the season, Cliff's teams have lost more games. They need to overcome that this year. And I think it's on Cliff in a lot of ways to be able to step up and prove that this isn't just a case that's following him. I think that's what I'm looking for is to have that type of innovation that you can say is sustainable, not just for the first eight weeks, but for the whole season long. I'd love to see that against the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, Blake, and you bring up a great point about Cliff Kingsbury. No matter how they start, and they may start very well again, but everybody's going to be wondering, okay, how are you going to finish? Prove to us that you can finish a season because the last two years, two years ago, they had a chance to make the playoffs and they fizzled out. Uh, last year, we know what happened in the playoffs. And even last year, guys, I mean, people don't talk about it much, but this is a team that could have won the division by beating the lowly Seahawks in the season finale in Glendale, and they didn't answer the bell. I mean, it just, it's that to me that was just inexcusable. And or the Lions. To a <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but even going back, even going back, going back into early December, you lose to the Lions. Obviously, that's inexcusable. But knowing all the chips on the table in the last yeah. week of the season, Detroit at least was on the road, and you can say, okay, well, they just they they screwed that up. But but seeing all the chips on the table. On a, against the six and ten at the time Seahawk team, in our building, in the last week of the season, we can win the out division, physical. and we can, and and we can't physical. win. Out physical, we can't win that on this. Not we as an us three, but like the like the yeah. Cardinal, like <laughs> we can't win that game. Like yep. to me, that guys to me that spoke to a broken locker room and a team that wasn't going to do anything in the playoffs, and as we saw, that proved to be correct. Yeah, and and I would add, you know, for me, the the defensively, I, I need to see more energy. I I need to see Vance having these guys rally because that's going to be really big against this this Chiefs offense. Andy Reeks in this preseason, he's given us a little precursors. I went back and watched some of the tape of how he's ran that offense, and they're a little bit more because with Tyreek Hill, they were very RPO ish. Now it's a little more standard traditional concepts. 12 personnel, bootlegs. You see some some of the run action. Fullback. Fullback. So all the stuff that you're not used to seeing with the Kansas City Chiefs. And what you need to be able to do defensively is, all right, we know they're going to find a way to get the ball to Travis Kelsey. We have to rally. Rally to the ball. Don't give them any yards after the catch. Don't give them anything easy. Make them work for every single thing. Because as you talked about earlier, last year, and it was mainly out of pure arrogance, they're used to throwing the ball all over defenses. So defenses came out last year in two high coverages and say, you know what? We're playing two high shells. You are going to have to get some 10 to 12 play drives and drive down feel like a normal offense. You're not playing Madden anymore, Andy Reid. You're not going to get these quick slants and just take <laughs> it to the house with us anymore. And it took all season almost and it's not out of skill issue. It's just the Chiefs didn't want to do that. They didn't want to go 12, 13 plays. They wanted to go five to seven because they were used to it. It took a while for them to get there. But now not having Tyreek Hill and not having anyone with his ability on your roster to really take a six-yard slant 
80 yards like we saw against the Buffalo Bills in the, in, in the uh, playoffs uh, back in January. Now you have to play more traditional. So the defense definitely has to rally to the football, play, play physical, man. Hit them yeah. every chance you get it, every moment you get to lay a hand on a chief skill position player, a receiver, a running back, fullback, and a tight end, you need to make them feel you. Start making them think as they're running their routes across field. Man, I, I hate, like, what did uh, Sam Donald said against the Patriots? Coach, I'm seeing ghosts. You want receivers and tight ends <laughs> coming across the middle just hearing footsteps. A guy could be 10 yards away from us, but you want them to feel that a presence is near, but you won't feel it unless you make them feel you early in the game. Set the tone. I'm looking for Isaiah Simmons and how they use him. I want to see more of him in space, moving around and flying to the ball because he is the most athletic defender that this defense has, and he can really unlock some things if they use him correctly. Yep. Definitely. Awesome. So, yeah, so we're talking about a balanced attack rallying to the football, at least on defense, being able to showcase that physicality. Uh, Tim, what's point number three? What's the third key for how the Cardinals can win this week? Well, you know, this is as, as susceptible as they are on the back end. Um, they're really young right now with, with their pass rushers. And there's still a big, giant question mark right now about Marcus Golden. Uh, I would assume, guys, if it is a hold-in more so than an injury, uh, the Cardinals are not going to open up against the Chiefs without Marcus Golden on the field. They're they're gonna they're gonna cure that injury at the negotiating table. Uh, I I am quite confident. I would be shocked if a hold-in uh, kept Marcus Golden off the field uh, in that game on Sunday. Even if he is out there, though, the Cardinals because they let go of Kennard. Uh, and put him on the practice squad, but he's, he's, he's not on the roster. Uh, they've gone very, very young uh, at edge rusher. J.J. Uh, Watt can still get to the passer if he's healthy. Um, but for me, with susceptible corners, I, I, they can't cover all day back there. And I know part of the game plan, we talked about it earlier here in the show, that teams in the past have kind of let Mahomes run around back there and, and drop – eight into coverage and kind of do the job that way. To me, I think at some point, the Cardinals have to find a way for Mahomes to feel uncomfortable. I'm not saying they have to sack him six times, but in this game, I don't know if it's Dennis Gardeck has to come up big or maybe two of the rookies. Maybe, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's Cam Thomas or my Jay Sanders, whoever gets the most snaps or Marcus Golden just rises from the dead here uh, and has himself a big game. But somebody has to make Mahomes feel uncomfortable at some point during these four quarters of football. Because if he's just back there doing whatever Patrick Mahomes wants to do, the Cardinals are in for a long day. They won't be able to outscore the Chiefs. That's that's the way I look at it. And it's 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 not a very I'm not going very, very deep for this third key, guys. But for me, it's real simple. Uh, the Cardinals, outside of Marcus Golden, don't have many proven guys who can get to the quarterback off the edge. They have J.J. up the middle a little bit, and they have Marcus off the edge. Other than that, somebody else has to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable at some point in this football game, or it's going to be a long day. Yeah, uh, and to piggyback off of that, that's kind of how, how what my keys were as well, is you got to find the pass rush off the edge. You know, you, you have Victor Dimukeji, you have Maje Sanders and Cam Thomas, you have some young Pete Dennis Garda, you have these young guys. I, like we've talked about it in previous episodes, this is a team it you don't typically hear the term. You hear usually all offense. They're going to have to pass rush by committee. Like every successful defense in the league right now has a guy at the at the edge rusher position. That's their top pass rusher. The Cardinals don't have that right now, but they can right. still be a team that can possibly get those 40, 45 sacks. It's just going to have to be a myriad of different guys. You know, this guy has eight sacks. This guy has six. This guy has seven. They're going to have to rush my committee and they're going to have to do right. some simulated pressures. It, you know, Vance is going to really have to be creative with his fronts and, and confuse uh, quarterbacks pre-snap and show them something different post-snap. Make them hold the ball a little bit longer. And I keep saying that I watched the tape on these guys last year, Marco Wilson and all of them, even in the preseason. 
These guys are much better when you let them come to the line of scrimmage and play press coverage. Don't have them in zone mm-hmm. too much, trying to communicate cross field because the offenses and the way that they use pre-snap alignment and everything else causes those miscommunications. You got one guy, you got two guys shifting at the same time. Now you got a linebacker in a, in a corner trying to talk about, hey, who's got who? And you don't want that. You want to be able to play man coverage, allow your corners to feel, hey, I know who my guy is. Pre-snap, post-snap, I know who I'm covering. And that simplify it. Make it easy for them. Let them play to their athletic ability and then make these quarterbacks hold the ball longer to help your young pass rushers get in the backfield. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, after you piggyback off of mine, Blake, before I throw before I throw it back to you, I am all for a a sack total by committee. That would be fantastic. That's best case scenario. Let's say Golden gets ten, and everybody else combines a little bit here, a little bit there. Here's what concerns me: outside Dame of a little sample size of Dennis Gardeck, we have no idea if these guys can play in the NFL, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe they all can. Maybe they're all going to be fantastic, but we don't know yet. I mean, even no. Demukeji, we don't know yet. Certainly the rookies, we don't know yet. So that's where, I mean, I'm excited to watch, right? Because let, let's let's see if they can. But the concern is we don't know if they can, Blake. That's that, right. that's what, right. ah, let's see, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's where I think that we'll make end up seeing a shift to the defense there originally it was focusing on making Chandler Jones you know stand out putting him in that prime pass rusher role was one of the things that we saw the last few years and then moving Hassan Reddick into that role when Jones went down that was how their defense had been built I think we're going to see them make some changes there because Marcus Golden is obviously like all the credit to Marcus. He's an all-time great Cardinal, but he's still not Chandler Jones. What I think that we could see is more Buda Baker blitzing or having more of their, uh, I guess you'd say double A gap, being able to utilize guys standing on the line of scrimmage, dropping back into coverage, which is one of Isaiah Simmons' strengths. Like you credit, I think, the Cardinals for taking a little bit. He's always, I think, shown off when he did play the save position better than he did at the regular inside linebacker position or even at the edge rusher position. I think that using those guys as the chess pieces and especially using Buda Baker more often is that nickel blitzer, maybe a bit of Byron Murphy if you can get him to play into the slot. That's going to have to be, I think, where some of that pass rush comes from. So we'll see. Hey, if, if you can get Marcus Golden to get 10 sacks, Buda Baker ends up with five just from being able to fire off the blitz. And Isaiah Simmons can do well in coverage. Uh, that's something I think can be good for the pass rush. I had a slightly slightly different third point. Uh, looking at last year with turnovers, Tim, you mentioned the Cardinals were at their best when they were able to get an early lead and run the football, put teams away. Mm-hmm. What I think at least that we've seen is that the Cardinals late in the season, they had more turnovers, they had mistakes. You think about the Green Bay game with Rondell Moore as a rookie fumbling. You think about with Kyler Murray, Cardinals had a couple times, he just threw them kind of a boneheaded interception in the red zone. So my point number three I wrote was don't be that guy. Like, don't be that guy who gets burned in coverage as a young player. Don't be that guy who gives that ball away. Because the Chiefs, they will make you pay for the most part. And we've seen when the Chiefs win the turnover battle, that is the – it's almost impossible to beat them if you do turn the ball over. So that's one thing I'm also looking for for Arizona. See if you can force that turnover from the Chiefs by getting that pressure on Mahomes as well. Yeah, Blake, I mean, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about a team that blew a, what, 18-point lead in the AFC Championship game last year. Otherwise, they'd be eyeing up this season their fourth consecutive Super Bowl. If you give them one or two extra possessions, even one, I mean, you're you're killing yourself. I mean, if you lose the turnover battle by a couple, you, you you have no chance to beat a Patrick Mahomes team. No, none. Uh, And to you guys' guys point, the one thing that they have to watch out for as well, Patrick Mahomes is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks against the blitz. Be careful when you blitz him. If you're going to, you've got to disguise it because the moment he notices it, he shreds it. The Baltimore Ravens didn't beat him in like three years because they kept trying to blitz him. And last year when they did finally defeat him, and got the chance to, to get some turnovers and get back in that game last year, 
at home, they stop blitzing him. You can't blitz Mahomes. You've got to be able to rush him with four. Um, and if you do blitz, you've got to disguise it. And, and I think for me, um, it kind of goes into my X factor um, as well. So I'll kind of pair my X factor and my third point together. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, we talk about creativity defensively. He's been a coach that has been notorious for not wanting to use pre-snap motion. Pre-snap motion is so prevalent in the NFL. He's got to use it, man. It, it, it changes a lot of things. It causes communication on, on, for defenses in the run game. When you start motioning guys from left to right, right to left, it shifts gaps. It creates advantage and blocking angles for the offensive line because you know where you're going. The running back knows where he needs to go. The defense doesn't know exactly what's coming. So when you they typically when you shift a guy over, they move over a gap. That opens up some, some space for you. So use the pre-snap motion, and that goes into how you use Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is one of the most explosive. This is a 4-2 guy coming out of, out of college who jumped over 40 inches. He is very, very explosive. He's a dynamite type of player. They always, you know, big big booms come in small packages, right? He's one of the, he, 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 he's one of those guys. So don't, don't use him the way you did last year as a gadget guy. They talked about him running more routes this year, getting him more in the vertical pass game Do that. Cause these nickel corners will have a difficult time when you start moving him around, putting him in the backfield. You think about what we, not just what we see with Debo Samuel, but you look across the division as well. Cooper Cup lines up in the backfield. Cincinnati put Jamar Chase in the backfield. It's what teams are doing to create mismatches. Put Rondell Moore back there. Put Hollywood Brown back. Heck, put both of them back there and then, then split them out into the slot and make because New England used to do that with uh with Edelman and um and Amendola, and they'll have the tight ends outside against corners and have the linebackers guarding the, the the slot receivers in the slot. That's pure mismatches. Create mismatches against a defense that's trying to find themselves. And in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to see some creativity and use Rondell Moore because I think he's the X factor, especially while um, D Hop is out. This young man can really break a game open. I think that's a great one overall. And I think you mentioned also one of the players who, if I had to pick an X factor for this game, we've probably talked about him more than any other. I think it's Isaiah Simmons. The Cardinals decided to essentially pass up addressing cornerback because he can play the slot. You know, you don't get a pass rusher. He's a guy who can blitz. I think that he's probably the biggest X factor on defense. Now on offense, this is Kyler Murray's best friend we're talking about in Hollywood Brown, a guy they had a huge connection with in college. And the Cardinals traded, you know, they got a third round pick back, but they gave up their first round pick in order to bring him into the fold. And they really haven't had a speed threat like him. Now, Rondale last year, they obviously, you know, you talk about the four two speed, but all of his routes for the most part were just within the line of scrimmage, like maybe some more creativity using him in that Kirk role. But with DeAndre Hopkins out, I think that if Hollywood Brown is able to step up and fill that gap, then that will essentially kind of patch over the offense enough before DeAndre Hopkins can come back. I think that that's one of the biggest things I want to see is can these Chiefs young corners be able to stop Hollywood Brown on these post routes? Can the offense buy time? If Hollywood is able to deliver on this kind of promise that the Cardinals have had of this is just our one missing piece, we needed another receiver to go with him, that I think will be a huge uh, boon for the Cardinals offense. And, you know, like they say, you want to stop your opponent, but at the end of the day, it's not who holds the opponent, you know, uh, to zero points. It's you hold the opponent to fewer points than your offense scores. Sometimes the best defense can be a good offense, and we'll see if Hollywood Brown can be part of that. Guys, I'm going to give you a real X factor. I mean, Isaiah Simmons and Hollywood Brown have to play great. There's no question about it, but they're two mm. of the Cardinals' best players. I mean, to me, the X factor is the unknown, right? The guy that you, you, that it, it could play well out of nowhere and make the difference. Now, I have not talked to Cliff Kingsbury. This this is coming from nowhere, but, you know, my, my underused noggin up here. Keep an eye on Trey McBride in week one. Yes. And a little bit, a little, a little bit is because Zach Ertz is not a hundred percent, but I'm just, I'm wondering if it, just from what I've seen in preseason and training camp and knowing that this guy was the best tight end in college football last year is it's the Mackey award winner, watching him block, watching him catch the football. I wouldn't be surprised if Kingsbury has him a part of the game plan. There's a little bit of the, 
element of surprise to attack that Chiefs defense on Sunday. And I'm not saying he's going to go for nine catches, 142 yards, but keep an eye on Trey McBride as being an instrumental part of the Cardinal attack, either between the 20s or the red zone on Sunday. That's my X factor, Trey McBride. I like that, Tim. I like that because, like I said, he was the Mackey Award winner. Uh, being in, in Mobile, being able to see him in person, strong, strong frame. But the thing that stood out the most was because he's not the best athlete, he's not the most explosive guy, but his hands are like super glue. He has vice <laughs> yeah. grips, and, and it's like you watch him, and, and you you watch we watch him in practice. Guys be draped all over him. He's making this incredible tough catches away from his frame, up in the air, snagging the ball, snatching it from a defender, and just that 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 toughness, the the strong hand, that those things are going to be so important. Uh, you know, across the middle of the field where things get a little muddy. It, you know, th- those contact catches, what we call in the scouting in the scouting world, those contact catches, playing through contact. He does a great job of that. So if Zach Ertz is limited and they don't want to run him, Trey McBride can absolutely step in and I, and, and the fact that teams wouldn't know how to game plan for him yet would be a very big thing and a very big uh, feather in the cap for Cliff Kingsbury in the offense. Hey, look, Blake, if you're going to take a tight end with your top pick when you don't need a tight end, <laughs> you better use that tight end. And you might as well do it in week one when the other team has no film on them. So there you go. Exactly. I'll leave, the, I'll, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> the, Chiefs at least here winning right now, but I think that the Cardinals will make it a really close game, a good offensive game. I think that'll be at least something you can say, like you never talk about there being a good loss. I just think that right now when it comes to it, it's almost the unstoppable force of the Chiefs meeting the immovable object of the Cardinals in week one. I think that the Chiefs are the one that have the veteran team. I think that you trust their quarterback at least slightly more. I'll say it's 36-33 Chiefs and it comes down to Cardinals score a game tying, you know, touchdown. There's 25 seconds left in the clock, and Mahomes gets the Chiefs into field goal range. I think that's what I'm going to predict, at least. Otherwise, I'd expect a lot of fireworks. It seems like this is a Chiefs defense that's still weak, Cardinals defense that's weak. Um, there could be a very, uh, very interesting opening to the season in Glendale for your Cardinals starting 2022. You know, I got a funny story real quick. Last year when they opened up at Tennessee, um, I thought with my head instead of my heart being a Mm. Cardinal fan. And not only did I think, I bet. And I bet with my head. And I bet big on the Titans on the money line. Because remember, that was the first weekend. Sports gambling was legal. So I was like, woohoo, you know, I'm going to empty my bank account. Because there's no way the Cardinals are going to go on the road and beat Derrick Henry and the Titans. Well, I learned my lesson. So this year, guys, I'm going to pick with my heart and not my head. Even though I think the Chiefs are probably going to win this game, I'm actually going to pick the Cardinals because I got burned last year. And I do see no reason why the Cardinals can't win a home game in week one with the talent they have on the offensive side of the football. So I'm going to go 34-30. And I'm going to predict the game goes just like the pathway to victory that I talked about earlier in the show. Cardinals get up 34-23. They run the football. They bleed the clock. Mahomes does get a late touchdown, but it's not good enough. And the Cardinals get that 34-30 win in week one. That's my story. Damon, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I like it, Tim. I like it. I am. I'm also with you, man. I'm taking the Cardinals in this one. It's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of youth, a lot of newness for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's week one, baby. Wild things happen week one. Every year, something happens in week one that we just didn't expect. Last year, it was the Cardinals putting a whooping on the Tennessee Titans, right? This this Chiefs defense is going to have to prove that they can stop the dynamic ability of this Cliff Kingsbury-led offense. And with Kyler Murray at the helm. A happy Kyler Murray, a happily paid Kyler Murray, with his best <laughs> friend, with his best friend at wide receiver, his former offensive tackle at guard. He's got some some camaraderie there, and I think this offense is going to be able to put up enough points. And I'm gonna go 35-32. I think they mm. win by a field goal. Woo-hoo. I think they I think they're able to to get that lead 
and bleed the clock out with six minutes left with that run game. There you go, Blake. There you go. Making me look like the bad guy being the one person who's there. It's like picking <laughs> over against everyone. Uh, I mean, Blake, if, if if my life depended on it, we weren't just having fun on the old podcast, right. I would probably pick Patrick Mahomes, like gun to my head. But I got burned last year. I'm not going to get burned again. Oh, yeah. And hey, every NFL network member, except for Mark Sessler, picked the Chiefs as well. There was the same story as a year ago. Everyone picked the Titans. So it's like sometimes maybe we're sleeping a little bit too much, at least for the most part. So I've just said I love Mahomes. I'll see at least how it plays. If the Cardinals had uh, DeAndre Hopkins on their team, I would probably have no hesitation. I still want to see how that offense adjusts without him, I think, at least, before I'm able to say cards went outright. Trey McBride, baby. Trey McBride. Uh, hey, thanks so much again for joining us, Tim. Again, uh, make it. sure that you can follow him. He's going to be on the pre- and post-game show for the Arizona Cardinals, so those listening locally. Make sure that you're calling in to talk about the season. Tim's going to yep. be there also with all the pre-game. Uh, thanks so much for having you on. It's been a privilege to be able to talk with you a bit about the Cardinals. And, hey, let's hope Anytime. we can get a W to start the season for the most part. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll, we'll all be watching. It'll be great, Blake. Anytime. Yes, Awesome. Hey, this is for me, Damien. This is Blake Murphy. We're signing off here for the ROTV pod. We'll be back next week. Talk about the Chiefs game and we'll review uh, the upcoming game against the Las Vegas Raiders as well. Football season in full swing. Thanks again for tuning in and go Cards.